Hi, everybody. This is Lori Handlers. I'm your host on the program Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. And I come to you in peace. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. Once again, I'm thrilled to be doing this show. This is our Valentine's Day slash week show because many of you will be hearing it during the week of Valentine's Day. Some of you will actually hear it on Valentine's Day, which is very exciting. And because this is about Valentine's, this show is really about Tantra. And I have a question. What has love got to do with it? Does love have anything to do with Tantra? Uh, a lot of people think it does. A lot of people think they have to be in romantic love with whoever they practice Tantra with. And this is actually the time of year that we focus on romantic love and on Hallmark and on roses and on chocolates. But really, does this romantic love add to our lives? Or does romantic love lead us to drama and heartache? I don't know. It's a question that I actually wrestle with all the time in inside me. What's love got to do with it? So my guests today are going to share with us how to apply fundamental tantric concepts within the context of 21st century partnership. And I don't know. I mean, they're going to they're going to tell us whether love has really anything to do with it. So my guests today are Mark Michaels and Patricia Johnson. And they are a devoted married couple, and they've been teaching Tantra together since 1999. They've lectured throughout the United States, as well as Canada, Europe, and Australia. And they've written a couple of books. The first one is The Essence of Tantric Sexuality. And the second is Tantra for Erotic Empowerment, The Key to Enriching Your Sexual Life. They also run something called the Pleasure Salon, a monthly New York City gathering of sex-positive educators and professionals, and I'm sure we'll hear a little more about that. So, Mark and Patricia, in terms of Tantra and romantic love, where do we start? How do we even know how to get our arms around this? This is an excellent question, and it's also one we, we grapple with a lot. Um. I think the one place to start is really to look at the tradition and look at the history of romantic love. Um, there really in, in the tantric text isn't, isn't much about love and, and certainly the culture in which tantra evolved was radically different from, from the one that we live in. Um, but if you look at, at kind of world history, the idea that romantic love should be the foundation of a, of a partnership is something that, that evolved has evolved really only in, in 20th century and in the Western world. And so it's, it's kind of complicated to apply, uh, to, to translate Tantra into our, our modern Western way of thinking. I think there are some ways to do that, but as a, as a starting point, we have to realize that technically speaking, love's not got very much to do with it at all. <laughs> You know, I, see, I, I, thanks for saying that. I actually think that love and the way it's presented to us in films, in music, in the, th- especially as we're teenagers, at least in Western culture, we're, we're piped, filled with this heartbreak and I can't live without you and my life started when you stepped in and all these you know, songs <laughs> sing about it. And I really think that kind of messes us up. So, I'm really glad you said what you said as your opening. Yeah, statement. yeah. Another one from the that sort of ilk is uh, "You Complete Me," 
you know, Jerry Maguire, the big, the big tug at the heartstrings line from that movie. <laughs> wow. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit separate from Tantra, but, it, but in terms of our culture and, and the idea that, you know, we think that we need some other person to complete us. And, and that's so deeply embedded in our psyches is, is really, <laughs> really troubling. Um, and, and of course the tantric idea is that we each are embodiments of the divine and, and complete unto ourselves. And we really can't begin to relate to another until we've, we've embraced that fully. So, uh, so that's really, I mean, that, that's really the basic tenet of tantra. Like why would we go inside to find somebody else? We'd really yes. want to go to find ourselves. So that poses some questions here, given Valentine's Day, Valentine's Week. But I want to ask you a few personal things before we actually get to what does this mean for other people. So you two are are a devoted, loving couple. So that means that you're in love? Uh, were you um, in romantic love at some point? <laughs> uh, well, you know, we chose the word devoted on purpose. Because a lot of people say committed married couple, and commitment seems, um, well, first of all, that's what you do with insane people, right? <laughs> you commit them. Um, and that's devoted it has, it has a more dynamic aspect to it. It's more ongoing, and it's um, recreated moment by moment. And it brings that, the, the tantric ideal of, of worshiping your partner into, you know, it puts it in a, in a pretty concrete framework but so devotion was a very conscious choice as for in love yeah we are i don't think that our relationship has ever pursued the or, or followed the kind of traditional romantic model at all um in that we met initially and and decided that we were going to practice sexual tantra together um and talked about that before we even touched each other yeah. So we never really dated. And in, um, in both of us, for both of us, a goal of a romantic relationship or a, a lifelong partnership wasn't really high up, um, if at all, in our minds, I don't think. Not for me. I, um, but practicing Tantra was, was the big focus for us. Yeah, and same so. here. I mean, I, I, I was at a point when we met where I really didn't want and didn't think that I would have a, a long-term partner. Or a single long-term partner. Wow. So, so what? Oh, so this just begs the question. I lo- thank you. Thanks for being so straight about that. And um, did you did you meet and did you meet in tantra, or did you meet and then go to tantra together? In in tantra, <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. Um, I I had just taken a teacher's training and was giving my first public lecture in New York City, and Patricia attended it. I came to it, yeah. And um, I don't know. I uh, I was pretty skeptical when he, he walked in the room. I'm like, yeah, Mr. Tantra Man, whatever, you know. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> because I had read some, you know, some things, and I'd heard it, you know, that you know, a fair amount of guys go, oh, yeah, I, I teach Tantra or I train Tantra, and, you know, as a pickup line, and you think, oh, wow. <laughs> so... Um, but he, I had been studying it since college, and and um, he knew what he was talking about, and he had, he was so well prepared and had so many notes that um, we started um, a conversation about. And it actually it turned out that we had been on on the same uh, sacred sexuality listserv. This was back in the days of listserv, so I kind of 
recognized her handle and remembered some of the things that she'd written online. Um, and so we, we got, she finally, we exchanged a bunch of emails and she finally said, well, let's meet for coffee. Turned out we had sushi and not coffee, but um, <laughs> we basically just decided over sushi that we were going to practice together. It was great to me because it really blew that whole, you know, the rules and the whole dating concept. And um, to me, it's a real mistake to withhold who you are as a sexual being when you're, um, you know, relating to a potential partner or a potential, you know, sex sexual partner. And um, it, it's just mind-boggling that people try to hold withhold that kind of information to me. So are you, you, do you mean like somebody who needs to be, has to be courted with ten dinners and three movies and check out somebody's bank account before they have a sexual yeah. counter? <laughs> you could say that. I mean, if, if you, if that's what you value and you're really not interested in sex, that's great. Or, you know, as, as, as sensual life with a partner, that's great. But if you really are interested in that, um, why not put that on the table in the beginning? Then your partner or the person you're meeting can say, you know what, I'm really interested in that, or you know what, mm, not. I'm not interested in that. I just right. It seems like that. Well, I, I agree. I actually, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's brilliant that you met and took that dance. You know, went into that partnership together at like an exploration. Like, uh, I, I'm pretty sure you probably know the one taste people. You probably know Nicole de Don. They talk about research, people doing research together. So it sounds like you met and you held hands and started to do research together in a very honest and straightforward way. But you've obviously, you obviously did work first because to come to that conclusion, to, to step outside of the fundamental paradigm, which says boy meets girl, falls in love, Girl meets boy, they fall in love, and they have to have each other forever or else they're incomplete. Obviously, you had done enough work with yourselves that you stepped outside of that paradigm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a very important point. I had, I had been married once before and divorced and, and, you know, been through a lot of tumultuous relationships after the divorce and, and really only kind of after this this teacher training had arrived at a point where I was, not looking for anything anymore and so um i was in i had you know i had done a great deal of work and i was really ready for it i think patricia's experience was a bit different but i'll let her speak to that well um actually my mind's going on it uh just to, to touch on the um relation or relating we we don't consider it like uh what did you say research partner we we call it co-creation co 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 and a collaboration that's those are the two words we like okay um uh maybe they feel just a little warmer to me <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and um yeah i don't i don't know well uh, patricia had really done a great deal of work on herself and, and is a professional opera singer as well as as teaching tantra so her whole attitude toward uh, her career as a singer was one of pretty intense devotion and so she really wasn't interested in, in a long, you know in a long-term partner I didn't expect that that would be part of her life no and certainly didn't have time for any drama or any complications 
I see what you mean. Well, what, well, so what, so this just begs the question, what do you do on Valentine's Day? Um. Well, this year we're actually going up to, um, we're gonna New go Haven to see our friend Tristan, Tristan. Taramino, uh, do some presentations up there. That um, sounds I don't great. know if we'll do Valentine's evening, but that's going to be on Valentine's Day. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's, it's you know, the idea is uh, expressing appreciation, um, connecting energetically. Um, really, da- daily we'll, we'll be practicing some sort of energetic exchange in which I'll get chills or I'll feel very, my breath be taken away. So it, Valentine's Day doesn't really seem like, you know, I live, I live that every day. So, uh, I don't know. Um, That's right. That's perfect. I mean, that is perfect. Every day. So you don't have to have a Hallmark experience. You can actually have a real life orgasmic love filled, you know, uh, what do I want to say? Uh, to, tuned up experience, turned on, tuned up experience. That sounds like that's your life. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's And great. so, I mean, you know, we, we started out being kind of against romantic love, and it's just, I think what we're proposing, and, and we can talk about this a great deal more, is, is just a very different model of, of approaching relationship and love. And so, there are ways to apply some of the real core principles of Tantra, even though it evolved in a culture that's so different from our own. I think the philosophical precepts are things that are incredibly useful. Well, we're gonna we're we're gonna take a break for a moment. Uh, we're talking with Mark Michaels and Patricia Johnson, and we're speaking about romance and whether tantra has something to do with romance or nothing to do with romance. In our next segment, we'll probably talk about: Are we against romantic love, or do we have something? What's explore the model more that can actually replace it and maybe be more fulfilling? So please stay tuned. If you're wondering what book you should read to jumpstart your sex life and increase your happiness, try my book, Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy. This short, easy-to-read book will make you laugh at yourself and possibly even make you cry as you discover my tantric secrets for happiness and how they apply to you. In the book, I begin with the tenth law, make love in the unknown, and then work you all the way through laws one through nine to teach you how to be in the unknown, fresh, Every moment, every day. Sex and happiness puts the innocence and love back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. Only $19.99 in paperback or $14.99 as an ebook. Please go to sexandhappiness.com to order your copy of Sex and Happiness by me, Laurie. Well, we're back with Patricia Johnson and Mark Michaels and we're talking about Romantic love as a paradigm, as a concept. Are we for it? Are we against it? I just want to let you know that I, I'm now in a community. I'm, I live in a community of physically immortal beings and we're not that into romance. We're trying to take the female bitch out of females or the mother cow out of females and, and take away the male ego egocentric, male, cool, male, quiet, male in his cave thing out of males. We're trying to meet each other on more equal playing field, and it's really interesting to watch as people explore their relationship to that kind of taking away the roles 
Uh, and then, in, and in my study of Tantra, certainly there's been a heightening of Shakti, the goddess, and heightening of Shiva, the god. So I'm kind of in a, in a research place myself about this. <laughs> so we left off, you know, saying, were we taking a stand against romance? So, Mark, maybe you can speak about that a little bit more. Well, I, I mean, again, I just to, to touch on the history briefly once more. Yeah. In, you know, romance is part of cultures around the world. It's, it's certainly, you know, Radha and Krishna is a very romantic kind of story. And in, in the West, we have the, you know, the, the evolution of romantic love through the troubadours in the Middle Ages. And this, a lot of times there's this emphasis on the unrequited nature of romantic love. And that's a very, very powerful emotional experience that has a lot of value um, because it can be the source of great devotion. So there's nothing intrinsically wrong with that. It's co- the core of bhakti yoga, if you think about it, that unrequited sort of longing to be, you, you know, in union with the divinity that you were worshiping. So there's a re- it's a deep human need to have those kind of feelings. Where it gets really confusing and, and messed up is when, as has happened in the modern era, that gets grafted onto the concept of being in a in a partnership with somebody else. Um, because those feelings, generally speaking, especially if they get fulfilled, don't last. You know, there's maybe that six months of new relationship energy where you have that that kind of intensity. <laughs> where your body is literally, you know, put it, put you on drugs. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, it's a really great high at first. That romance, that tingling in the stomach, the heart speeding up, blushing. Not needing sleep. <laughs> <laughs> But then, but, it, but, <laughs> but eventually it fades, and and often that that leads to you know disappointment, disillusionment, and and in many cases the search for someone else to fulfill it. And plus, we feel like at that point, couples often you know sadly discard a, re- a relationship just because they they don't feel that kind of high anymore, and they they just move on. And and I don't think that's necessarily needed. In all cases, yeah, there there are things that we can do to keep that that energy going. Certainly, by just doing some practices, um, eye gazing, you know, is, is the simplest one, and, and doing that regularly really recreates the experience of falling in love. But you can do that and not have all the drama that goes with the unrequited part. Um, so, what's happened though is that we think that that romantic love is the foundation for a good relationship and a lasting relationship it may be it may very well not be um you know there's studies that show that arranged marriages don't um they don't do not fare any worse than than marriages that are based on romantic love so it's not you know romance isn't necessary for for a successful and and positive kind of relationship and I think I think a lot of people get off track, and also the belief that it needs to be romantic all the time. Uh, we certainly have our romantic moments, but it's not it's not necessary to 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 sustain a positive relationship. No, and we're not seeking them. They happen actually. You know, you stick with the practices. You stay level-headed with the practices. You stay in, you know, having awareness at the moment, and it opens up the window for feeling romantic um, or love or tingles and all of that. But if you seek it, 
you're lost. It's like you're you're not creating the environment and the the um, the conditions for for those to, for you to feel those things or experience those things. Um, so, one thing we like to talk about is our our guru's guru described love as profound interest, and um, we feel like that's a real big shift from what we've we're taught culturally. Yeah, I mean, we tend to think of the again? opposite of what is it? Profound trust. Profound interest. Interest. Profound interest. Yeah. Um, and if you think about it, I think there's a really wonderful kernel of of wisdom in there. Well, not kernel. It's a big piece of wisdom. We tend to think of of love and hate as opposites, but love and hate are really both intense emotions that are a bit more closely related than we often like to acknowledge. The opposite of love is really indifference. You know, right. if you think about couples that have been together for years and, and just bicker constantly and appear to really despise each other. Sometimes they have really rock-solid relationships and they'll be together for a long, long time. I don't know about rock-solid, <laughs> but, but enduring. Enduring, you yeah, let's say that. Let's say they have rock-solid banging sex because lots of times people have great makeup sex after, they have, after they're fighting all the time. And sometimes it's just a performance. Yeah. You know, for other people, like they don't fight when they're home, <laughs> but they fight when they're with us. So I don't know about that. I don't know about that rock solid. Yeah, yeah I mean rock solid. Yeah, not rock solid, but but definitely in this rock solid in the sense that they're stuck together. They're, they're stuck together, and and that and the the antagonism sometimes can be as as strong a bonding factor as as you know intense love for one another is is really the point. If you're indifferent to somebody, then there's nothing to keep you in 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 connection with that. And that's real insidious. I think in all long-term relationships, we're all vulnerable to that, where you, you know, it's indifference is the same as taking each other for granted. I mean, just totally being unaware that you're actually sharing a space and a home with someone else. So this is where a certain amount of effort, we don't like the term work on your relationship at all because it implies Something that's quite negative, but but it, there is some effort involved in in cultivating interest in your partner, and paying attention to what your partner is saying, what matters to your partner, to being open to discover something new. Because we we tend to think, and this goes back to what Patricia said earlier about commitment, that you know when you get into a relationship, or you know in our case when you actually get married, that sort of everything stops. And that, you know, you've signed the papers, you've taken the vows, and it's a done deal. And you don't have to really think about each other anymore. Well, that's really not true because we're, we're constantly changing, we're constantly evolving. There's always something new to discover. Um, every person is at some level a mystery to everyone else. And so there's always something that you can new to, new to find. It's just a matter of, of making the effort to be open to it and, and deliberately retaining your interest in your partner. Now, well, you know, it's probably impossible to do that, you know, 24-7, but if you make that effort a little bit on a daily basis, you can keep things fresh and, and constantly be in the process of discovering something new. You know, Osho says that if once you think you know your partner, the relationship is over. 
he actually he scorned the word relationship and said that people had to keep relating and and just what you said discover the freshness and the new newness and create freshness and newness about themselves every single day of every relating to the person like the relationship is a thing and relating is an act so yeah that coincides with what you just said and it's really important that's why I, I mean that's why in my book I start the book with make love in the unknown because making love in the unknown for me is making love to every day and making love with my partner and making love to myself with a freshness that's not habitual that's not the known that's not the familiar or the comfortable it's it's really the adventure so it sounds like you're sounds like you're whole philosophy of being in relating in relationship and marriage together is is in the relating aspect you know and not a thing not like a thing although you said you can't do it 24 7 well you i mean we're human it's like everything else there's going to be times when we we lapse into habitual behaviors we can't you know we can't really survive without those it's, it's just hardwired into us but if we make some effort we can also not live our entire lives that way. Another concept we like to talk about is that um, the, the act of relating sort of creates a third entity. So I exist as an entity by myself, Mark does. And then by us relating and, and applying profound interest to one another, there's, there's a third thing, our relationship, you know, that is an actual living, breathing entity that we both are continuously breathing life into and, um, you know, building and cultivating. So it's it's not about me, and it's not about Mark. But when we're together, there's a third thing that takes on um, a greater importance in a lot of ways. Not not that we neglect our own personal lives, but but that we're both we're both, uh, as Patricia used the word collaborating earlier, we're both collaborating on on a kind of project that that is the the life that we share, and it's not so much. And this is kind of another aspect of what people tend to think about in the modern world is, is it's not so much about getting my needs met. You know, you hear that so much. Oh, I need, you know, you're not, you're not fulfilling my needs and, and people <laughs> complain about how their partner doesn't do stuff for them. Right. As if anyone could, as if anyone could fulfill your needs or my needs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But we're yeah. both actively putting attention into this, this life that we're creating together. Um, you can think of it almost in, in artistic terms that it's that it's this this great work of art that we're we're collaborating on. Now that yeah. was very romantic, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, beautiful. it's a masterpiece. It's beautiful. <laughs> well, hang on for we're we're talking with uh, Mark Michaels and Patricia Johnson, and we're talking about romantic love in a certain sense. We're talking about a, a different whole way of relating which is more in line with the tantric way of relating, which can involve some romance but doesn't necessarily hinge on romance or the some of the ways we've uh, bought into mistakenly to a system that that's doomed to fail when that romance goes. And uh, when we come back next, we're going to find out more about how they organize their workshops, how you can find out about them, and, and I have a, a few other questions up my sleeve for them, so please stay tuned. You're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. I'm Laurie Handlers, and 
We'll be right back. If you're listening to Tantra Cafe, congratulations. You've reached a higher plane of consciousness in caring for yourself and caring for your significant other. Tantra can help with physical and emotional bonding to nurture your relationship. And there's another level of care that you should be considering as well. It's your family's financial well-being. I rely on DeLone Financial Services to guide me on this journey. And Jeff DeLone is my friend. He and I have worked together for years. He even helps care for my father's finances. For information about your family's financial planning, contact Jeff DeLone at 610-356-1253. That's 610-356-1253. Or you can email Jeff at jdelone at delonefinancialgroup.com. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through FSC Securities Corporation. Member FINRA SIPC. Jeff DeLone is a registered representative with FSC Securities Corporation. DeLone Financial Group is not. Okay, we're back. And I'm here with Mark Michaels and Patricia Johnson. And we're talking about the Valentine's Day question, the Valentine's Week question, romance uh, uh, in relationship or a certain other way of relating, which we've discovered in Tantra. So I, I want to ask you, you know, how can people get started and finding out, you know, what, what would be the best way for people to get started finding out about how to alter their relationships from this romance-based needy, needy, needy thing into something that's more conscious, something that's more what you talked about, a creation? Well, I, you know, I mean, our books are a wonderful place to start. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that we, uh, that we have a, we have a whole chapter in, in our first book, The Essence of Tantric Sexuality, which sort of deals with the tantric model of relationships. And, and then our second book, Tantra for Erotic Empowerment, talks a great deal about, about our views on relationship and how to, and, and includes exercises for how to make that real. I think, you know, one starting place is to develop the capacity to love yourself. And there are, I think, two key pieces in that, um, one sexual, directly sexual, and one not. Um, the directly sexual one is to really explore conscious self-pleasuring and to learn yourself as a sexual being without necessarily reference to another. And apply the spirit of experiment and discovery and, and mystery, as you, you were speaking earlier about, to yourself and your relationship to yourself as a sexual being. Um, you know, we have a tendency not to, not to use self-pleasuring. Sorry, what? I, I just want to say this is great. I mean, what you're saying about people discovering themselves and giving themselves permission, first of all, to, to have self-pleasure and that they deserve it. They come to know themselves. They start to explore their own likes, dislikes, their own boundaries, whatever it is. I mean, it's it's so important for people, and it's it's kind of like part of the disowned self in in mainstream culture. So it's great that you're mentioning this. I I actually give people 21 days of self pleasure homework. Mm-hmm. You know, in which I tell yeah, them I mean, not to have sex with their partner. So, wow. uh, so can I, I watch I, each other at least? 
<laughs> yeah, they get upset about it. I go, 21 days, that's nothing in a life. It's yeah. Like, yeah. You know, really. I mean, it's, it's an incredibly days. huge taboo in our society still. That, still. You know, self-pleasuring okay. is looked at as, uh, as still this still. kind of almost sinful thing. And, and um, doing it consciously and really exploring is, is, is just even more forbidden. You know, it's like, it's something you do quickly and on the sly. It's not something that you, generally speaking, do with any kind of intention or awareness behind it. Right. Well, also, I think the word masturbation is such a disgusting word. Who would want to do that? I mean, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds predatorial. It sounds like, I don't know, ammunition. I don't, it's just not it's a like horrible word. So. Yeah. I think it puts people off, like they don't want to say the M word. So I like yeah. the self-pleasure concept, and I like that, that you coach people to do that. And well, then masturbation is, is an interesting word, actually. Our, our teacher is very into, into etymology, and um, the Latin root for masturbation means to stir up, which yeah. is kind of cool because it, it's a way of stirring up energy. I mean, so I like that. Can... I like that, stir up. So it's like self-stir up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, it also stirs up controversy, but, you know, that's okay. <laughs> Great. So then what? Okay. So they, so, uh, so if you're giving a tip, uh, first of all, let's talk about your books. The Essence of Tantric Sexuality is book one, and Tantra for Erotic Empowerment, the key to enriching your sexual life is book two, and people can order those at Amazon. Um, um, we we prefer that they buy it from from the local independent bookseller, um, or they can order it directly from from our website, www.tantrapm.com. Um, just you know, Amazon is is a very convenient thing, but it's it's a, a massive corporation that's sort of consuming a lot of other um, you know small small businesses. So we we like we like the indie bookstores if possible. But it is available on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, thank you. There's a little politics mixed in there. That's wonderful. I love it. I consider Tantra a political path myself, so thank you for that little plug to independent bookstores. It's great. So what's next? What what happens then? After they have self-love, then how, do they, how would you recommend that people approach their partner? We're talking about you know, approaching – we're talking about Tantra – for the 21st century partners. So, so how, then what? Well, there's a concept, um, that's, uh, that, uh, the, it's a, um, a therapist, right? Uh, yeah, John, John Gottman. John Gottman speaks of, and it's called turning toward your partner, turning toward as, as opposed to turning away. And, um, we apply this concept when, when there's a misunderstanding, when, um, we feel sort of a break in our energetic connection and, um, Practically, oftentimes that's just uh, taking a time out and not talking and eye gazing. So um, we'll uh, we find we feel that couples are talking too much actually, and sometimes when there's conflict that arises, the last way to get out of it is to try to talk your way out of it. And the best way to really you know get connected is to eye gaze or do some sort of energetic exchange. Yeah, I like the so can, you, can you just tell me a little bit more about that? You feel that I love what you said. I feel that we feel that couples talk too much. Can you say a little more about that? Yeah, um, when you when you're 
speaking, you're using your left brain you're, um, and your, <laughs> your logical side of your brain. This is not the part of your brain that fell in love with your partner or your beloved. Um, the, the side that you want to activate is your nonverbal state, and um, the best way to do that we find is, you know, employing eye gazing. And yeah, I mean it's it's it it's a way of of circumventing a lot of conflict or or circumventing is not maybe not the right word because that implies you're avoiding something. It's a way of short circuiting conflict. And when you when you're in a when you're in an argumentative mode with one another, usually you you get polarized, and you know each person gets into the place of wanting to be right, and and the relationship this this creation that we're collaborating on sort of gets lost. gets lost in the process. I can say for me it's a physical, it feels very tangible as if I'm backing into the corner um, more and more onto my point, my need to be right or whatever, and I'm putting a par- the problem in between Mark and I, and if we get fall into the trap of sort of answering each other back and forth, we are backing farther and farther into opposite corners. Um, this is so, this is such I mean, a hot tip. This is such a hot tip that you're giving right now. Okay. <laughs> so yes, I mean, stop it, it talking takes, and do eye gazing. Just stop talking. Yeah. So, yeah. so which and, one of you really? Which who is the signal maker? Which one of you says, uh, "Okay, let's stop talking"? Is there one of you that does this more than the other? You know, to, right now, now in our relationship, we don't even have to say anything. I think if one of us or the other feels a little disconnected energetically, we, we're able to catch it earlier and earlier because what I think some of these conflicts arise because you've, you've, you're out of harmony energetically. It's not about, oh, I told you to go buy milk and you forgot. I mean, for heaven's sake, how <laughs> awful is that, you know? Um, but it's, it's, it's a reflection of how connected you are energetically. And we, I think automatically, if we start to feel that wane, seek each other's eyes out or, or caress um, each other or do something, in a, um, it's become habitual and part of our relating. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the important thing is that we started doing this when, you know, from the very beginning of our relationship and did it as a formal practice um, whenever we saw each other at first. And For then, months and months and yeah. months, yes. So yeah. we built a foundation, a, a practical foundation, and I mean, you know, kind of the point of a lot of a lot of these practices is to to have them so in you that you don't need to really do them anymore in the in the sense of a formal, organized way of doing it, and that's really what happened with with this for us. Sahaja yoga, right? Yeah. Natural yoga. So the practices just become so knitted into your being that you don't realize you're doing them all the time. What was the What was that name of yoga? Sahaja, it means Sahaja. natural in Sanskrit. Okay, and it means natural yoga. Like every, I think everything is yoga. So I, obviously, that's kind of what is what I th- what I feel you're describing here. When you said you you formally eye gazed for months and months and months as the practice that really brought you together at, right after meeting each other, what you're describing to me is a new way of courting. Like instead of meeting someone from dinner and discussing how your week was and their week was and then going to a movie or whatever, you actually sat in eye-gazing practice and got to know each other in a divine way as you were getting to know each other instead of getting to know all the 
the caca, you know, all the stuff of the normal, you know, I'm sure you got to know that as well, but you had a formal practice. It's what you're describing is an amazing way to meet and come together with someone. It's, yeah. uh, it's beautiful and it has profound interest. <laughs> yeah. And I like your way. It's a new way of courting. I hadn't thought of it, but it most definitely is. Yeah. Because, you know, without realizing it or planning it, oops, we got married. Oops, we wrote a book. Oops, we wrote a second book. You know, it's just like things um, happen then. And, you know, collaborating on books is, is a very tough thing. I mean, I have, <laughs> I'm, I take, I'm, I have a big ego around my writing and, and a lot, you know, often a lot of attachment to, to my words. And for us to work on these things together and, and have it go as smoothly as it, as it did is really remarkable. And it's a testament to how, you know, to how well this works. And we, we, we applied practically every technique we have learned along the way to, to get these books out. I can guarantee we have. (laughs) I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. I mean, I, I, it's. I love that you said it, I, Mark. I think that you said that when you said, "I have a really big ego about how I express and how I write and the way I talk and all of that." Just even owning that sh- shows an evolvement, an evolved being. For a man to say that, I have an ego around it. I'm particular, and it's really. And then, Patricia, for you to say, it, and it's we've had to practice everything we know. That's real. <laughs> That's so real. That's so real. And it's so great to have people sharing with me. That's their journey. And they're, and you're choosing, you're choosing devotion moment by moment in pulling yourselves back together with the practices. That's showing, that's exactly what I wanted for this, for, for our interview. I wanted the option. And you're in your speaking about your life, you're actually giving us the option. So it's it's beautiful. I thank you. I thank you so much. Right now I'm <laughs> wow. talking with I'm talking with Mark Michaels and Patricia Johnson, and they are from Tantra PM. You can find them at tantrapm.com. That's P for Patricia and M for Mark. It's a very clever name. And we've been talking about an option, a different way of looking at relationships in honor of Valentine's Day, Valentine's Week, if you will. We're looking at what's love got to do with it, love in the romantic sense, and we're talking about the tantric option for people in partnership. So we'll be talking about more of that when we come back right now. Many times on Tantra Cafe, you've heard my guests and me Discuss emotional release techniques. Now you can do emotional release work in the privacy of your own home. With my CD, Shamanic Release and Lati Han, I create a very safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work I'm known for in my Tantra courses. I set you up with a proper positioning and breathing and then guide you through each emotional state to the beat of tribal African rhythms. Try the CD as an easy way to do your personal clearing on a regular basis and watch your relationships walk free from emotional baggage. You can order my CD at ButterflyWorkshops.com for only $20. Aren't you worth it? I think so. Go to www.ButterflyWorkshops.com and get your copy now and walk free from emotional baggage. 
Well, here we are back again with Patricia Johnson and Mark Michaels, and they're talking about their relationship. They're talking about how their devotion to the, to each other, their devotion to themselves, their devotion to their tantra practices has taken their relationship out of the norm, so to speak. And they, while they have normal things come up, trying to write a book together, et cetera, but how their practices keep them sane and together, etc., although they haven't used those words. What else? This is amazing stuff. What other tips do you have for people that they can take home with them? Well, I, I did want to go back to, to people who are, who are maybe just starting in a relationship and, and say that the, the way that we approach it, I think, is just such a, such a profoundly healthy and, and so much better a way of going about things than the usual form of courtship. In other words, being upfront with each other about sexuality from the get-go, of making the decision to do this kind of collaborative thing together from the very beginning. Um, if you can if you can find someone with whom you can be that open at the start and you can you can really from the very beginning be be on the same page about working this way. Um, it's just it's just so much healthier than going through all the drama that that people do in sort of a conventional relationship model. Um, well, which I is th- very I mean, broken, by the I way. Think... I mean, it. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, just the the conventional relationship model is it's not working. <laughs> people are very right. unhappy. I mean, you you're batting fifty percentile, or you know, I don't know. Or barely over that, and you know what? How? How? Why? Who would bet their odds on that? You know, it's just that whole concept needs to be revamped. Exactly. Well, they. I mean, the statistics are are astounding. Over fifty percent of marriages, at least in the U.S., fail. In some countries, it's higher. Sweden, I think, it's higher than that, sixty-five percent or something. And then second marriages, it's eighty percent. So I could see, Mark, how you said earlier in the show that you didn't think you were going to find anybody and you weren't kind of looking anymore because to get into a second marriage, the, the, the odds are worse. So, and then, uh, this thing about courting differently and doing this whole thing differently. I, to me, you said that you, my question, I guess you said earlier that you put your sexuality on the table, but it sounds like you didn't actually practice sexuality right away. But maybe you did. I, I don't know. It sounds like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We did. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, after did. that discussion, we basically, the next time we saw each other, we, we did sexual exploring together. So. Okay, great. Okay. So that, so you meant that quick as well. You meant having sex as quickly and, and, and putting it on the table, but also you were, you were framing everything with all of, with your, with your practices. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's an individual decision when you're when you're comfortable having sex with someone, and that's going to be, you know, I, I can't say that, that that everyone should do it exactly as we did, but but certainly having that conversation early on, you know, instead of instead of withholding it, it just it creates a a, a foundation where you're where you're being honest with your partner I think from your get go. I think it's important too to come from a place of empowerment where you're you're actively making that choice because all too often there's people who who do want to have a very active sex life but they won't allow themselves because of some sort of societal rule or or something that they believe about themselves 
um, that may not be authentic, or um, the opposite, where they're agreeing to it, but they're they're not on board uh, 100%, and that both both are are just dysfunctional. Well, um, part I mean, part of this has to do with manipulation through the withholding of sexuality or the using of sexuality. I mean, that's the thing I was talking about before when I said I'm part of a community where we're trying to exercise that from people. Part of it is that, oh, yeah, if I like you, I'm going to give you sex, and if you do something wrong, I'm going to withhold sex, and sex is going to become the bargaining chip. And, in fact, what we're talking about here is sexuality as a sacred practice that that isn't used against, you know, the other person or used for certain whatever, certain manipulation. Exactly. Also, yeah, know, it becomes like a, a commerce, you know, a form of car- right. commerce, something right. you're creating in, like you said. And, and that, uh, anytime you're doing that, you're disempowering both parties. And that and kind also, of leads us back to traditional Tantra, in a sense, because um, if you think about the Tantric sexual ritual, the classic ritual, it often was um, was done with a partner who was selected for you at random and the the whole process was one in which each partner worshipped the other as an embodiment of the divine and each partner's role in the ritual was to, to take the other higher and higher so that the two participants could could achieve these mystical ecstatic states through the ritual and we you know we, you know, having sex with a random partner was probably a much bigger deal in medieval India than it is in modern America. But we can apply that, that core concept of tantric sexual ritual to both our sex lives and our entire, en- entire life together. So that it's, it's, um, it's really a profound way of thinking about things. Instead of a relationship being about okay, I'm going to get mine or I'm going to do something for you in hopes that you'll do something for me in return or, you know, in, in lovemaking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get you off for a bit. Do you for so, a while. So that then now you do, do me. me. <laughs> it really becomes right. about each of us. It's, it's a more altruistic way of, of thinking about things. It's, it's I'm, I'm doing you because I'm in service to you. And, you know, and her doing me, but for the same thing. And, and as a result of that, each of us really gets a lot more of what we we desire than than we would if it were then the we more can, conventional. With that attitude, we can both really fly. We can really, really fly. Well, this is such a great commercial for Tantra. <laughs> 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 you know, Mark, before when you were saying if you, you, you had a statement, you know, if you can meet somebody who you can be that straight with or communicate that well with. And I, you know, I really feel that it's possible if, if, if an individual sets the tone, if an individual says, look, this is really what I, this is who I am. This is what I want. This is what I'm looking for. It's really different from, I want you to buy me diamonds and I want this and I want all the sex. It, it, it just, it's a, it's a different thing. And I think it, I think it can, separate out very quickly for somebody the you know somebody they ought to truly pursue and some and somebody not i think people who aren't into that would just walk away no problem it would be like yeah, a quick, I, a quick selection or process. Run. <laughs> 
Yeah, next, next, <laughs> next. It, you know, it just I, may I, take a while because I think what what we're proposing is is something that in this culture is very very radical and and I you know I think that to be honest people have to be prepared for a lot of those walkaways um, yeah, because yeah. just talking about sex can freak a lot of people out. Right, right. Well, I totally hear you. I I'm without partner at the moment, and I could see, but I'm in the space you're in. You know, I'm in the self-love space. I, I never suspected when I began practicing Tantra that I could become my own beloved. And in fact, I did. One day I just mm. woke up and I had this whole new feeling about myself, which was really mm. different from before. I don't, I don't have any of the, whatever, insecurities, self-doubt, any kind of second guessing. Uh, I don't have any of those things about myself anymore. And I, I've always been pretty self-confident, but, I had those things nonetheless, the monkey mind. And I don't, I just, it just doesn't exist anymore. So for me, I, I like the, your idea. I think I, I'm, I'm going to try it. Yeah. Right. Great. Great. <laughs> it's, it's just such an awesome feeling though, isn't it? To wake up and, yeah. and realize you've just fallen in love with yourself. I just, I think it's so wonderful. Yeah, it Well, is. you learned that very early. Yeah, I mean. it happened to me in college and I, I actually went out and bought a wedding ring for myself <laughs> because wow, I really was like that's what's going on I feel like I'm in love and then suddenly it was like oh my god it's I'm in love with me it was really amazing feeling it was it still is <laughs> <laughs> now there's again that's a tremendously profound now was, this was while you were also studying tantra or this is you know when you were doing your readings and your studies or was this like even before that no, it happened. It happened while I was studying tantra. I can't. Right. I don't know if it was a direct, a direct cause and result, but it certainly was influential. Definitely was. It's great. It's really great. I can see how. I can see how you two came together, and I can see how you make a profound difference in lives of others and the lives of your students because of who you are together, who you're being in this in this world. It's wonderful. So let me just let people know how to get in touch with you. I'm speaking with Mark Michaels and Patricia Johnson. You're listening to Tantra Cafe. And you can get their book, The Essence of Tantric Sexuality or Tantra for Erotic Empowerment, The Key to Enriching Your Sexual Life, their second book, from their website, which is tantrapm.com. And I, we're going to be ending here. We, we need to say goodbye to people. So I want to really thank you so much for having been on my show. Should people write to you at the website? Can they write to you and get in touch with you that way? Yes. yes. Uh, it's info at tantrapm.com. Yes. Yeah. Tantrapm.com. Well, this has been a most enlightening show. I thank you so very much for being well, my thank guest. Thank you for having us on. It was great. Yeah, yeah thank wonderful. you. And I'm also going to, I want to let the listeners know that they can read on up on all of us in the latest New York, Time Out New York magazine. They can go to timeoutnewyork.com and they can find an article which features you and me. And that's, that's, great. <laughs> that's how we got together. What a wonderful way that was. And I want to tell everybody you can write to me at laurie at tantracafe.com or you can follow me on Facebook or Twitter. I would love to have you follow me there. And please write to me with any questions or any suggestions for other guests. Next week, we'll be talking again 
about Tantra and will shed more light on relationships and sex, of course. So namaste from Tantra Cafe. I look forward to our next time together.